Welcome to None Dare Call It Ordinary, the podcast that digs into the unusual, unorthodox, and downright unsettling beliefs found at the depths of the internet and the heights of paranoia. I'm your host, Brent, and with me is the microbiota manipulated forest and the MSG manipulated Dylan. So you're welcome. (laughs) That is totally true. I literally uh, made a a little sandwich uh, today and you know what was on it? MSG. So totally. I am manipulated. I I wonder if MSG works as a prebiotic for the microbiota. Maybe. Yeah. Double whammy there. It turns out that it's the greatest thing you can do for your microbiome is to just pour copious amounts of msg onto all your food yeah then that's m squared that's m squared host control yeah and okay so everybody we do have new merch we wanted to talk about this go to merch.nundercallitordinary.com for all your tote bag needs t-shirt needs let's see children you know infant onesies um, tapestries yeah, that's my Mugs, favorite yes. you can get a giant like five by three foot tapestry of our logo with our beautiful faces on it that you can hang right on your wall. Which is even actually even better than that is the pillow. So you could sleep right next to our faces, which is always oh, true. And you can get that slimy, gross, oily, yellow mold directly on a Nundare Call It Ordinary pillow. And there's nothing better than a mug with our mugs all over it. Nothing better. And uh, let me, uh, I need to get ready for my uh, Brent go. impersonation. <clears throat> So, what are we talking about today, Brent? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for asking, Dylan. So, today we're talking about extreme diets. This is going to be a two-part series. Extreme. Extreme diets. It's just extreme Mountain Dew constantly. No. This one is going to be raw foodism. So, if you're cooking food, you may want to just shut this off. This is only for the raw foodists. Yep. Raw foodism is exactly what it sounds like. It's an exclusively raw food diet. This is a dietary lifestyle that consists of only eating unprocessed or uncooked foods, which the majority of raw foodists or rawists, as they've been known to be called, are vegan. But this also doesn't just include only vegans. It's people that eat meat and eggs and dairy products as well. So anyone can join this horrible, horrible diet. (laughs) Okay, so Dylan's going to start us off with some raw appetizers by diving into the history of raw foodism. Yes, I will. I'm going to start with a brief history of raw foodism. This has been around for a while because one of the earliest recorded raw food proponents was the Ethiopian ascetic monk Cosmos, who adopted a raw food diet all the way back in the 14th century. But he wasn't doing it for any nutritional benefits or to kill the toxins. He just wanted to hate his body because bodies are evil. That's kind of what, you know, he was in it into the asceticism and all that type of stuff. The body is not he a would, temple. Exactly. <laughs> he was so extreme that he wouldn't consume the Eucharist oh my because the God. body of Christ itself was cooked. Ugh. He was ostracized. Eventually, you know, the the Christian church, they're not going to be into that. So he eventually (laughs) fled to the Jewish community of Beta Israel. Because if we know anything about the Jews, they don't mind when people refuse the body of Christ. (laughs) I thought it was pronounced Beta Israel because um, all Israel soy boys live in Beta Israel. And that makes sense. That's why he fled there, right? Yeah, all the uh, Israelites in Alpha Israel, they're all swole. They're all just, you know, pumping iron. That's where all the Jewish chads are. 
Also, the Eucharist is cooked. I don't. I mean, the body of Christ is cooked. Oh yeah. I, I guess the right. the bread is baked. Yeah, those we, crackers we are saw, raw. We watched the uh, the Pope Michael documentary where they were making the uh, body of Christ. Right. That is. Yep. You're warming it up. Skipping ahead to the 20th century, the first contemporary raw foodist was Maximilian Bircher Benner, which is an incredible name for a raw foodist. He was influenced by the Lebensreform movement, basically the hippies of early 20th century Germany. <laughs> they were into holistic medicine, nudism, free love, and going back to nature. Man, the hippies ripped them off. Exactly. Yeah, the Nazis weren't really into that, by the way. He was also <laughs> influenced by Charles Darwin, and he derived a very convincing and cogent argument from Charles Darwin. Since animals don't eat cooked food, and humans are animals, then humans shouldn't eat cooked food either. Boom. Uh, you know, I've, I've actually read scientific articles that say that what cooking our food may have contributed to like the evolution of our larger brains. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have read things like this. I have. These larger brains. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, they, they would, uh, these larger brains would eventually uh, lead to ideas like uh, this. Other animals don't cook their food, so, uh, so we shouldn't either. Brilliant. It's a good idea. Yeah, it's almost like uh, the whole larger brains thing was a total mistake. Actually, <laughs> that's fake news, Brent. We all know that the larger brains came from genetic that's engineering by ancient aliens between Neanderthal and alien genes oh, for us to mine gold right. for the aliens. Zachariah Stitchin. I forgot. Sorry. Yeah, and we all know that genetic engineering happened because they injected raw meat directly into our brains. So it's raw food from the beginning. Bircher Benner created a sanitarium in 1904 called, and I'm going to have to get my German out here, yeah. Lebendigkraft, or yeah, yeah. Life Force, that served raw Ooh, like that. food. And Life Force, you have to admit, pretty incredible sanitarium name. That's where I want to go. At Life Force, they really dug sunlight energy, which was apparently more concentrated in plants rather than animals. And their most lasting innovation was the invention of muesli, I think it's called, which is like granola and apples yeah, and all that kind delicious. of stuff that you're probably eating at whatever hippie restaurant you go to to this day. So I, I got to say, you know, when I learned about this, I, I hate to break it to old Bircher Benner, but I'm pretty sure Non-human animals don't eat moosely and they definitely don't found sanitarium. So I'm not <laughs> sure it's true. if this is the best way to advance his cause. And 1904 was actually a really popular year for the raw food craze. Aside from Life Force opening its doors, 1904 also saw the publication of Eugene Christian's Uncooked Foods and How to Use Them and Otto Carque's The Foundation of All Reform. Yes, all reform. We're not going to reform healthcare, criminal justice, or the Federal Reserve System without eating a bunch of raw carrots first. That's yeah. clearly that's the true. bedrock of all that change that's got to happen. Why didn't they write a how to make a raw Eucharist so that way we could get back to the, the, the right it's path? Just unadulterated raw yeast, so you get total host yeah. control. Yeah, there's got to be some way to make raw bread. I mean, so yeah, it seems. You know, easy enough. Another raw food book made an appearance in 1912. George Julius Drews's Unfired Food and Trophotherapy, which is very exciting sounding. Other early raw foodists include Bernard McFadden and Herbert Shelton. Shelton was quite a big fan of practicing medicine without a license. And so he got in trouble with the law quite a bit. And the more recent book, Fit for Life by Harvey and Marilyn Diamond, was influenced by Shelton. 
Sadly, they were not influenced to try practicing medicine without a license themselves, so they really didn't go all the way. Mm, this makes me kind of miss nostalgic for our Cancer Quackery series. Yeah, I really miss the performing medicine without a license. Yeah. I feel uh. that's you got to get to a different level in order yeah. to do that. Now, you might be worried because raw food, it's not about reading. It's about eating. And in 1917, the first raw food restaurant, the Eutrophion, was opened by John and Vera Richter, who were influenced by Drew's, the unfired food and trophotherapy guy. And I got to say, Eutrophion, incredible name for a restaurant. Yeah. So Ugh. I'm going to give them that. And leaving the early 20th century, we really pick back up with the raw foods in the 70s and 80s, which brought us two key raw food proponents. Norman W. Walker, inventor of the Norman Juicing Press, and Leslie Kenton, who wrote Raw Energy, Eat Your Way to Radiant Health in 1984. Her book promoted diets of the Hunza people, who a lot of folks assumed were kind of like the most healthy people who ever lived, and also Gerson Therapy, which is another cancer quack cure. But yeah. enough history. We need to start with some raw veganism, and I'm going to bring it back to Brent, who's got more to say about that. That's right. So so we all know, you know, by now that eating a more diverse plant-based diet is healthier for your gut flora. We should know this by now. But what's so bad about eating that's, a raw that's food That's something diet? we've never talked about once on this podcast. No, I don't mm. think we've ever even, yeah, it's never come gut up. Gut flora? Who knows about that? Exactly. But what's so, you know, bad about eating a raw food vegan diet? It's all raw vegan. What are some of the actual health concerns of an all raw food vegan diet? Well, for one, of course, the lack of B12. And if you want yep. to know more about this, listen to Joe Rogan's 17,000 hour series on veganism and meat eating, the debate. <laughs> and, and DMT. Nothing but B12 your, for about 12 your hours. Take B12 of, with DMT. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, you, you can actually that. save time uh, <laughs> if you take your DMT vape pen and just put like chunks of steak in there and vape the DMT and the steak. <laughs> it has to be elk. It has to be elk time. you've hunted. Also, true story, uh, Bishop Lewis just oh. got a B12 injection Ooh, from his oh. veterinarian. So Really? That's nice. Yeah, he uh, he doesn't have... So even the carnivore diet, uh, oh, you okay. can still get a lack of B12. <laughs> I was going to say, Dylan, stop feeding your cat raw <laughs> veggies. What are you doing? He loves it. He so loves it. He just research. wants to eat celery. <laughs> Also, another really shitty thing is food contamination. What? So don't. Yeah, I know. Never happens. You never hear about this at all. So harmful uh, microorganisms and uncooked vegetables, which the FDA created a fun list of rarely consumed raw foods that you should check out. If you really <laughs> want to be uh, horrified. <laughs> but I mean, it's look, it's the FDA. They're in the pocket yeah. of big pharma and, and big turkey and big all the meats. Yeah. And so exactly. what they, you know, food contamination what they're really what they're really talking about is contamination via nutrition. That's what they're talking about. They That's don't right. want you to get the nutrition that you deserve. And speaking of nutrition, E. coli is in romaine lettuce, which we learned is which, a model um, citizen. Unless you don't give it sugar, <laughs> then, then it'll give <laughs> yeah. you diarrhea. It'll start making you bleed uh, out of your butt. So don't do yeah. that. Yeah, so just whenever you buy romaine lettuce, also buy a candy bar. I think that's what we learned. <laughs> if you want to learn yeah. more about why you need to buy a candy bar when you're eating romaine lettuce, please check out our bonus episode. 
The microbiome, only $5 a month. Do it. Pay it. Do it on Patreon. You got to mention that. Patreon.com. You can't just throw $5 out the window and get access to our bonus (laughs) episodes. That's not how we accept donations. I'll find it. Throw it out the window. I'll, I'll pick it up. I like how we're opening the raw veganism section with all the reasons that are why it's bad. <laughs> yes. So, okay, let's just start with that. Start <laughs> now with we're going to get into we're not going to get into the all the, uh, the raw vegan types out there. More, most importantly, though, let's get into the subgroups because you can't just be I'm a raw vegan is like what kind of raw vegan, you know, veganists are you? Come on, let's let's talk about it. So the subgroups are fruititarians who only eat fruit, <laughs> wow. uh, veggies have the potential of being cooked. So they are out. Get them out of here. So we we can't eat vegetables because they have the potential of being cooked. That's right. You don't have the potential to cook fruit, obviously. I mean, I guess you pies. I think shit. I, I think, think this through. do though. Well, anyway, it's still the same. It's why you, ha- you should never have a house full of crystals. They all have the potential of being filled with intentions. It's just best oh, yeah. to be safe and sorry. Just get out things that yeah. could have potentials of anything. Really. 100%. Also, yeah. we've covered a fruititarian uh mr wiley brooks oh yeah he was started his career as a fruititarian and that's what allowed him to uh bench press like a thousand pounds (laughs) so (laughs) wiley brooks rest in peace wiley uh we're thinking about you let's have a moment of breath okay all right um so juicitarians are another one they consume only juice and we're not talking about groundhog punch here guys (laughs) that's not the right juice no Sproutitarians are people that only shops at Sprouts grocery stores. Oh. Okay, that's not true. They uh, they so they, uh, they only eat sprouted seeds. That's a very local joke. In case you're from this area, so yeah, they go to uh, yeah. So someone who goes to the Sprouts grocery store for their all meat diet, they're technically <laughs> very a sproutarian. Right, that's true. All right, so that's that's all stupid. But let's dig into the history of raw foodism a bit more. So as Dylan mentioned, we talked a little bit about this earlier. The first raw vegan cookbook was written by the aforementioned Vera Richter in 1925 called Mrs. Richter's Cook Less Book. Uh, (laughs) I imagine this book contained one recipe, which is this. Step one, cut up vegetables. Step two, throw them in a bowl. Step three, eat those vegetables. (laughs) I think that's that's it. That's all you need. Short book, one, one pager. Actually, I think this is even going too far. Cutting vegetables a little too close to butchering meat again. You know, we just want to just steer clear from all this. Processing technically. Yeah. So I think we should probably just leave the vegetables whole and just eat them as we, you know, right after we pull them out of the ground, just eat them. Yeah. You shouldn't even chew them because again, that's processing. That's a good point. You just have to eat them whole. Yep. Swallow them whole. Even pulling the turnip from the ground (laughs) is a little bit of processing there. Where is the cutoff? So yeah, so only you only eat vegetables that you don't have to pick them. You literally have to like go to the tree or go to <laughs> the ranch dressing plant and eat it and yeah. swallow whole the whole plant. Yeah, because chewing is again a little bit of process. Yeah, it is. Just <laughs> so, undoubtedly. So in an article in the LA Weekly called LA has been eating raw vegan food since 1918, thanks to this communist feminist Angelino by Hadley Mares, we get a deep Deeper look into the author Vera Richter. By the way, 1918, great year. year to be a yes. communist. I oh, mean, yeah. you know, they're riding high. Vera was born in 1884 in Pennsylvania. 
She was married to Dr. John T. Richter, who is a naturopathic physician and 20 years older than her. And, and look, look, I get quack shaming, but there's no need to age shame here. That's, you know, people freely consenting adults, they can marry who they want to marry. So as Dylan mentioned earlier in 1917, the couple started the first raw restaurant in L.A. called the Eutropian, which means good nourishment. And this mm-hmm. is located at 640 South Olive Street. I looked it up again oh, on Google Maps. Not, not even close. I don't even know what that is. It looks like an abandoned building. I can't figure out what's in that building. Maybe it's still running, but maybe no do marking. You, do you think the they chose that location so they could be on Olive Street? Oh, yeah, I think so. In 1919, a critic for the Los Angeles Times did a great review of the restaurant, what they called a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> That critic was way too proud of himself for that one. You just know it. So here's a quote from the 1919 review. At this unique cafe at which coffee is never served. It sounds horrible already. Yeah, big mistake. The patron is... (laughs) It's cold coffee. Iced coffee, come on. Yeah, there's uncooked coffee. It's called cold brew. It's the best. Yeah, it is. It's the best by far. The patron is provided with uncooked soup, fruit and flower salads, unbaked brown bread. There it is, see? Eucharist, let's do it. An unfired pie. Between mouthfuls, one has time to glance about him and observe the mural decorations. On one is a large photograph of President Wilson, while on the opposite side of the room is a picture of Eugene V. Debs. Above the haloed head of Debs is a copy of the Constitution of the Russian Socialist Federated Soviet Republic. Then why are these people running a business? Why are they running a business? What is this is very against. Anyway, go ahead. Look, sometimes you have to use the master's tools to overthrow the master. But I, what right. I what I saw here was that con- he, the critic wrote constitution in quotes. Mm-hmm. Like, look, quotes. I mean, maybe it's bad, but it's still a constitution. We don't have to put <laughs> yes, it in quotes. Yes. The Nazis had a constitution. It wasn't great, <laughs> but it's still a constitution. Actually, the yeah, uh, put it. The Soviet yeah, Constitution the sounded pretty nice if you read it. It's just the problem is they didn't really follow it. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, see, there you go. On another wall is a leaflet entitled, quote, The Truth About Russia. <laughs> Next to this revelation is the statement that... This is 100 quote, years ago. food. <laughs> still talking about the same shit. Mueller was not around yet. So next to this revelation is the statement that, quote, raw food plus sunshine, air and exercise promotes physical, moral, mental and spiritual health. Again, with spiritual, this is not in line with the uh, Bolshevik revolution. I I just got to say, yeah, this would get stomped out if she was in Red Square. Oh, yeah. Also, moral health. I mean, to be perfectly honest, you know, Marx wasn't really that interested in kind of moral philosophy. You know, he didn't think he was giving a moral argument. Nope. I mean, also, I mean, let's look at the big problem. The, have the portrait of President Wilson, I think, is a big mistake. Well, oh, yeah. That's another huge issue. I mean, yeah. that's to me that, that that's he, above everything else. He was the original neocon. So this is disgusting. I thought the raw soup is the worst, but that's, that's, <laughs> that's this is still up there. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, you know what, Mr. <laughs> you know what, Mr. Wilson signed into law? The Federal Reserve Act, everybody. Oh, 1913. Oh, oh, that's Ooh. when you were enslaved. Ooh. This is a harbinger of what's going to come towards the end of the episode. Yes, I was going to say that. Boris is going to correct this ship right off the bat. All right. So Vera was a devout feminist who believed women should adhere to all raw vegan diets so that they can, quote, 
claim their rightful position in the world instead of spending their days chained to the stove participating in the black art of cooking. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, and she doesn't stop there. Vera was also against women using makeup and wearing high heels. Quote, woman has thrown off some of the shackles of her ancestors, such as corsets, hoop skirts, bustles, etc. She still clings to such unnecessary evils as furs, high-heeled shoes, face powders, rouge, etc. Now, I, I mean, I don't so. know about this. I'm pretty sure you can buy raw high-heeled shoes, so I don't see the connection. Mm. Mm. Yep. Yeah, and vegan fur is the thing. Okay, so Vera makes suggestions of what women can use instead of makeup. She encourages, quote, using crushed strawberries ah. as a natural rouge. A diet of beets, or actually don't use beets as a um, mm. makeup. That might be a little scary. Yeah, and staining. I think that would stain the face. So, yes, a diet of beets, though, a diet of beets and carrots for more luscious hair and a cheesecloth filled with flaked oats to replace face powder. I have to say, so unfortunately, I have to say... Vera Richter would have killed beauty YouTube. I mean, this is this is incredible. She is like a mile ahead of everybody out oh, there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And oat milk would have probably jumped on board with her and oh, got some sort of a deal. Yeah. God, she was born in the wrong time. She was. She really was. Vera has compared meat eating to cannibalism. And I guess that's you know technically true if you're a human eating human meat. Um, yes. Which, for the record, we are against collectively here at Under Called Ordinary, just so you you all know. Just um, get that I, I do want to add a caveat if you're in a situation where, if you're in an alive situation, mm. right, mm -hmm. and there's a dead frozen guy and you're hungry, go ahead and eat him. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, survive for another day. Unless it's in the future and they've made beyond human meat and then you can just have, you know, impossible human flesh or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah impossible human. The first raw vegan restaurant had some great decor, as we mentioned earlier, and one was this playful saying posted on the wall. And we'll end this section with this, quote, when liver and kidneys are way out of step, tomatoes and parsley will furnish the peps. <laughs> Freshly greens served with nuts once a day will keep all disease and dopers away. <laughs> you ate yourself sick on cooked food you desired. Now eat yourself well on the food that's unfired. <laughs> So, I like it. <laughs> don't yeah, I don't even food, care people. about the disease. I want to keep You're all fired. those fucking dopers away. That's what <laughs> yes. I really, that's what appeals to me the most. Next is the hallelujah diet. Seems like we can't do an episode without some sort of Christian connection. So this is the hallelujah diet. Yeah, this is uh, you eat exclusively whatever Leonard Cohen eats. So it began with Reverend George M. Malkmus, who makes the claim that he eradicated his colon cancer with a host of other health issues over 25 years ago by, quote, following biblical principles for a natural diet and healthy lifestyle. So in the newsletter, he explains, quote, God handed down to us in Genesis 129, a diet composed of raw fruits and vegetables gathered by hand as found fresh and untainted in nature. This diet did not contain any animal products or even any grains. On this 100% uncooked vegetarian diet, man lived on an average of 912 years. True. That's true. Without any recorded sickness of the first almost 2,000 years of recorded history. I estimate this diet contained approximately 5% unsaturated fat, 90% complex carbohydrates, and 5% protein. After the flood, as we learn in Genesis 9-3, God allowed animal flesh to be added to his original diet. And the cooking of food began. Ooh, dark days. 
Revealingly, with the addition of flesh and cooked food, physical problems began. Then why did God allow it? It's a good question. So looking at Genesis 50, 26, we see that the lifespan of man dropped from an average of 912 years on God's original diet to 110 years and 10 generations on God's permissive diet. Why, God? Why? 20% fat. Hey, he didn't have foreknowledge of this. Approximately 10, 20% fat, 70% carbohydrates, and 10% protein. I have to say, this is the best Bible literalist view I have ever seen. Where, you know, like, how do you handle these huge lifespans? It's like, no, they were eating different food, and that's why they were able to live for 912 years. That's incredible. I love this. So at the age of 42, Malcolmus was diagnosed with colon cancer. He opted to ignore medical treatments. Wow. Smart move but instead rely on, quote, an old preacher friend, Lester Roloff. We have to say one thing that we've seen over and over again. Do not trust your friends with health advice. Yes. They are not Especially doctors. They're friends. just your friends. He was a man who talked him into the Genesis 129 diet. And after adopting this diet, according to Malcolmus, his baseball-sized tumor disappeared. So that happened, apparently. Despite being totally healed of cancer by using the Bible as a cookbook, in July of 2001, Malcolmus experienced what he described as a hemorrhagic stroke that he attributed to excess stress. A few months later, on July 12, 2001, he wrote, quote, My body, after 25 years of excellent health, said, Enough! Fortunately, it was only a mild blood spill on my brain. No big deal. No big deal. Okay. Quick, we need a Bible verse to treat this, uh, you know, blame blood, blood spill. Let's, uh, let's what, what was enough? Why did the body say enough? And enough he was health? eating all the right know. stuff. I got I too know. much health. God damn it. That's like being on vacation on the an alien beach and like being able to do whatever you want and then just suddenly saying enough of this paradise. <laughs> I'm sick of this. I want to go back to my nine to five job at Starbucks. <laughs> Continuing with the quote, and I was back speaking again within two weeks of the stroke and never missed producing my weekly health tip or even failing to get it out on time. (laughs) Until the body said enough again with all this health. Enough. You've been healthy (laughs) for too long. So he continues with an update on his health. Continuing with the quote here, quote, I did take some herbs for a while to bring down the high blood pressure, which followed my stroke but none of them had any effect on reducing my high blood pressure levels. And so I had to reluctantly resort to some very mild oh, blood pressure medication. What a fucking sellout. <laughs> I mean, it's barely anything. At least, yeah. you know, you know what I appreciate though? At least he's being honest. He's like trying yes. to downplay it, but at least he's saying that he did it. He's not pulling the Joss Muheen of like about to pass out and die and being like, oh no, I'm just resting. All right, so taking blood pressure drugs to help may sound, you know, reasonable to us, you know, who are tainted by toxins, but Malcolmus basically had to ignore his own preaching. Because in 1997, he had this to say about drugs in Hallelujah Acres Online. Quote, all drugs are toxic to the system and create new problems. The solution to our physical problems is not more pollution. Every drug is liver toxic, even an aspirin. Even an aspirin. <laughs> I thought aspirin was the healthiest yep. of the drugs. Every drug causes a new problem for which another drug is often necessary to relieve the symptoms of the previous drug. The taking of drugs places a person on a vicious downhill spiral that will create even more physical problems and ultimately end in an early demise. The whole approach of the medical community is wrong when it comes to using drugs and other harmful treatments, radiation, chemotherapy, etc., to deal with disease. 
They are always talking about cures and treatments for specific symptoms, but they will never find a way to cure disease through the use of drugs. Well, he didn't mention specifically, you know, very mild blood pressure medication, though. So I think he's off the hook, actually. So, yeah, you you might be right. There's also this is a common like alternative medicine trope, this idea that drugs create new problems and you've got to take another drug to treat those problems. And my question is, like, who who is taking (laughs) drugs to, to deal with the symptoms of taking another drug? I have never heard of this once. So then there's this. It's unclear if Malcolmus even had cancer to begin with. He admitted in a local newspaper, just that small thing. He admitted in a local newspaper called the Shelby Star in 1998 that he didn't consult a cancer specialist. You know, just a bunch of preachers, apparently. But instead, a nutritionist and a chiropractor saying, (laughs) quote, we never had any biopsies to prove this. We didn't know it was malignant. We know there was a tumor. We know there was bleeding. So, oh, wow. And we definitely we know, know it was baseball sized. I yeah, think that's the key. So the same article reported that Malcolmus consumed 16 to 24 ounces of carrot juice every day, which, if true, would cause keratonema. It's a condition that turns a person's skin orange to look exactly like Donald J. Trump. So mm. you don't want that. Leaves a little white under your eyes, though. So it's kind of nice. Hallelujah Acres is also the name of the Hallelujah Diet Ministry both Reverend Malcolmus and his wife Rhonda Jean operate. They started this ministry to, quote, eliminate sickness from the Christian community in particular and the world in general. <laughs> Globalists. I'm glad they're starting, though. <laughs> in, well, just we're going to give it to everybody. But let's be clear. In particular, we're interested in Christians. No one. No one get upset. So in 2001, Malcolmus said that his ministry had 27 employees supported by order by mail sales. Mostly you can visit their website right now at my hdiet.com don't do it it's a waste of time but the background (laughs) image let's say not the best seo well let's be frank no 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 no. the background image on the homepage of the hallelujah diet website is of a man smelling a tiny bowl of fresh spinach with his eyes closed and an elated look on his face so you know it's going to be good right off the bat so wait so wait a minute minute. are they Is this a raw food diet or is this just like a smellitarian diet? Is that, you know, what's going on? You just smell the nutrients? That's how you get them through the nose. Hallie Acres sells products like supplements such as barley green, a green powder made of barley leaves that were falsely claimed to cure cancer. Quote unquote, falsely. Yeah, falsely. As well as herbal fiber blend. Hallelujah Acres holds seminars that are all support a diet that includes only eating raw vegetables and fruits. And and raw, mild blood pressure medicine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In a video of one of these seminars, Malcolmus claims that the barley green powder contains, quote, 16 organic vitamins, 11 major minerals, 18 amino acids, 12 trace minerals and enzymes, and had, quote, captured the life essence. So mm-hmm. just one life essence. You got a lot of these, but just one single life essence yeah, the yes the, the life, life essence. essence but actually i'm sorry i'm pretty sure dmt will be needed to fully capture that life essence but that's not, a, not yeah included, dmt apparently. and hunted elk right, yep. you gotta have both that's right apparently according to quackwatch.com another portion of this video shows malcolmus claiming that barley leaves contain quote 25 kinds of vitamins including b15 k and p there are only 13 vitamins for humans and B15 and P are not among them. So that's not good. <laughs> I was wondering about the B15. Yeah. I, I was like, yeah. oh man, do I need B15? In addition to raw fruits and veggies, Malcolm's diet called for three daily tablespoons of barley green, which cost $49.95 per 10 
0.5 ounces on his website as of 2001. Ooh. I don't have any updated information, unfortunately. Oh. I will not check. <laughs> this added up to about $4 a day. Plus, let's not forget the Udo's oil, which added 60 cents per day. Oh, wait, also, let's also not forget the B12 supplement, which is about 25 cents per day. And I can only imagine how much the B15 supplement was. By the way, Malcolmus has stated that in biblical times, no one needed to take B12 supplements because the plants themselves contained B12 absorbed from the soil. Uh, I was wondering how and he was going to sell that. as proof, he offered nothing. Nothing at all was offered as proof. The herbal fiber blend sold for around $2 per ounce. Overall, the recommended supplements to go with the Hallelujah diet cost only around $2,000 a year. So it's like, it's like, you know, about like 19 Netflix memberships or you know, basic gym memberships. So it's totally reasonable. Anyone that wants to do it. It's yeah. Probably I mean, cheaper I than think I, I, to be perfectly honest, I think a better use of your money would be a $166 a month patronage over at patreon.com slash none dare call it ordinary. I think you would get more out of that. Skyrocket you to the top level too. Top level. that. In 2002, Malcolmus ditched connections with Barley Green, unfortunately, and offered a product called Barley Max made from barley juice and alfalfa. Oh, yeah. So, no thanks. I'm I'm personally going to hold off for extreme barley. That's that's coming. That's the barley you eat while riding a skateboard. Malcolmus says his diet has helped people suffering from obesity, arthritis, cancer, and over 100 more health issues. Notice, though, high blood pressure and stroke aren't on the list. So let's keep that in mind. I'm an empiricist. I need to look at the 100 or more health issues in to, like the whole list before agreeing. Yeah, with I that. feel if if you're if I had a product that I thought cured a uh, hundred more health issues, I would list every single one. I'm not just oh, gonna yeah. generalize. Got to get that SEO. Yep. But once again, we know he's not very good at that. So the Malcolmus family offers a series called Back to the Garden. Or any poor sap can learn about the hallelujah diet. Or any poor sapling. That's <laughs> <laughs> so true. So Malcolmus wrote in his first book back in 1989 called Why Christians Get Sick on the website. <laughs> the sickness unto death is caused by not eating raw food. So on the website, Malcolmus reminisces about his first book. Quote, 26 years ago in 1988, I wrote my first book, Why Christians Get Sick, before computers were available. It was written on a typewriter, where if you had to add or subtract something from the text, you had to retype the rest of the chapter, or in some cases, the rest of the book. I had never written a book before, and it was quite a time-consuming and tedious learning process. The first thousand copies of Why Christians Get Sick were printed in 1989 by a local print shop owner who had been healed of his diabetic and neuropathy problems on the Hallelujah diet after his doctor had wanted to amputate his foot. He was in his 60s at the time and is still alive as I write this. Diabetic free with both his feet as he approaches 90 years of age. Beautiful. Yep. Malcolm's second book was titled God's Way to Ultimate Health, a Common Sense Guide for Eliminating Sickness Through Nutrition. And in 1999, he released a self-published 61-page booklet titled A Christian Health Primer, which would later be titled A Message of Hope and Healing. So he's going from books to pamphlets? What's going on here? Yeah, it's like he's going backwards. Malcolmus then cashed in on the Y2K scare, quoting Malcolmus from his website again. In 1999, I wrote and self-published another book titled Y2K, in which I gave ways to prepare for survival after the clock struck midnight on January 1st, 2000. In the beginning of the book, I wrote, we do not know how this whole Y2K matter will unfold. 
but we do want to be able to properly nourish and take care of our physical body slash temples and sustain life no matter what the outcome. This book is no longer available, although with world conditions the way they are today, it might be good to republish the prepper information in it with a new title. Yeah, this was all bullshit, but I don't know, maybe something else bad will happen. Just retitle it. In 2006, Malcolmus wrote the book he's most well known for, which is, of course, The Hallelujah Diet, which sold like hotcakes. I'm, I'm sorry, cold cakes. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, sorry oh. about it, guys. But it doesn't in there, guys. Don't worry. Malcolmus just released a new book as in 2014. Oh, man. So he is active new, but and contemporary. 2014, before the apocalypse. It's titled God's Original Diet, Saving Lives and Restoring Health. This book is, quote, based on the verse found in the Bible in Genesis 129, the very diet God gave to Adam in the Garden of Eden after he had created the first human. I consider Genesis 129 to be God's original diet. G dot O dot Sounds kind of blasphemous. To so, me. Pretty clever. Pretty yeah, clever. we're kind of I think we're skating towards idolatry. If I can, uh, you know, if I can Ooh, uh, yes. put that in there. If I if what I was reading agreed with God's Genesis 129 diet, I accepted it as truth. If it disagreed with Genesis 129, I rejected it as error. Mm. In other words, God's original diet, as found in the Bible in Genesis 129, has been the basis for everything. I have believed and taught for the past almost 40 years and remains the basis for everything I believe and teach in this to this very day. Well, okay, guys, I, I've actually also based my entire life on one single Bible verse, and that's Ezekiel 2320, which says, quote, there she lusted after her lovers whose genitals were like those of donkeys and whose emission was like that of horses. <laughs> it's a little different, but it's, it's an equally important Bible verse. So let's keep that in mind. I like how they needed, I guess something's wrong with the genitals of horses. You couldn't just go with the genitals and emission of horses. Like why do you gotta go donkeys and horses? Yeah. Not sure the context of that verse. Don't think it matters. Yeah. <laughs> According to this website, quote, there are some very thought-provoking chapters, including how prayer can hinder healing. Ooh, hinder healing. Which reminds me of a video I watched on the seminar Malcolmus gave and had this little fun morsel that I, that I wrote down here. Quote, we seem to think that all we have to do is pray over the mess of glop on the plate in front of us, and God miraculously is going to take the cholesterol out of it. It's <laughs> <laughs> not going to happen. Not going to happen, guys. Don't, I know so don't. many people who think that. Continuing with the fun chapter titles, there's, quote, even one chapter title called Health Insurance Dangerous to Your Health. Oh. <laughs> he finishes also with, quote, throughout the book, I put God's wisdom against what I call the world's wisdom. After reading the book, you will know whose wisdom wins the battle. And guess what it is? Spoiler alert. It is Satan's wisdom. So that's I actually not I, I don't even twist. I don't think I have to even read the book to know whose wisdom wins the battle. <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, that was all very interesting, Brent. But that's all this. That's for all the soy boys. Yeah, it's a little the, too raw vegan. Yeah, too raw, too milk, milk toast, too vegan. I mean, I mean, milk toast sure. isn't um, isn't vegan, though. It's got milk in it. Ah, it's true. No, God that's what I'm damn it. Oat milk, almond milk toast. Regardless, we're going to go into the real meaty part of the podcast ooh, here ooh, ooh, ooh. and buckle up, bucko. We're going beyond Jordan Peterson in this Raw Diet Madness episode with the all raw meat diet. Finally, something the men can get into. Exactly. Yes. 
According to a Vice article, quote, Five years ago, Derek Nance had some mystery illness that killed his appetite and made him puke up everything he ate. The doctors suspected it was an allergy thing, so Derek changed his diet. And I gotta say, that makes sense. I also started to puke up or or just immediately shit out everything I ate, and changing my diet to the paleo diet helped. I mean... For a while until Martian fungus smoked me out from the inside, made me high and tried to take control of my brain. Yeah, that's but a problem. It did help for a while. It helped. No, wait, wait. That, that's just normal, though. I mean, that what you just said there, that's exactly how our ancient Paleolithic ancestors lived. Oh. So it's the way we should uh, be for 2020. Exactly. Yeah, that's a way better stoned ape yeah. hypothesis where they <laughs> ate, our ancestors ate a paleo <laughs> diet. They got invaded by Martian fungus and it made them high and smart. True. So what did Derek do? First... He cut out wheat and dairy, but he was still sick. Then he tried the supposedly healthiest diet in the world, the Mediterranean diet. But again, he's still sick. Then he went full soy boy and became a vegan. (laughs) And no, his gut was still fucked up. So what did he do? He did what any rational person would do. He delved in deep into the depths of the internet and the heights of paranoia, and he stumbled across someone that held the key to curing him of all his ailments. Quote, a guy who'd had similar symptoms recommended a carnivorous version of the Paleolithic diet. With nothing to lose, Derek gave raw meat a try. That was five years ago, and he now goes so far as to brush his teeth with animal fat. At least you know it doesn't have fluoride in it, right? Oh, that's a good point. It has no fluoride. (laughs) Exactly. Just to be safe. According to Derek, the OG of raw meatism was a certain Weston Price who, after studying things like a Native American guts and grease diet, came to the conclusion that eating raw guts and grease was actually way better for you than eating shit like McDonald's and Cheetos, Mm, which is actually true. And so maybe unadulterated guts and grease was the answer Ooh. to his problems. Yeah, your gut craves gut. Our guts are fucking cannibals. And Western Price, I believe, was a dentist. Yes, he he's was. Got, a, we're, he's he on the list. We're going to cover him at some point. He's got all sorts of good ideas. Vice asks whether Derek had any reservations about taking this leap of faith headfirst into guts and grease. Derek replies, quote, not really, because I'd been sick for such a long time that I was willing to give anything a try. I had a couple of goats in my yard that I was using for milk, and, you know, I was tired of milking them, so I slaughtered them. I ate both of those goats, all raw, and just switched over like that. So that was his first raw meat meal, oh was was eating those goats that he slaughtered? Yeah. It works that way with a lot of things. Sometimes, like, when my car doesn't work, I just, like, fuck this, and I just start eating it. Like, this is not, I'm not going to, I'm sick of fixing this, I'm going to start eating it. All right, so you, you would think that this was a desperate measure in desperate times, and maybe just Going to the store and buying some fresh meat from the butcher would be a whole lot nicer than having to slaughter animals for every meal. But you'd be wrong. Derek's bloodlust could not be sated by his first victims alone. Quote, I'm into lamb, mainly. It's just easy to go out to farms, barter over a decent price, slaughter it, and throw it in the truck. Maybe Derek's just like really into the Old Testament. I don't know. And his sacrifice. I think so. I like how he slaughters it at the farm. Yeah, like that's and he does. It seems like so much more pathological to me than bringing it home and slaughtering it. (laughs) He can't. He just can't wait to kill it. (laughs) (laughs) 
I hope he I hope he slaughters it as soon as the transaction's complete. Like, like just pulls out a big old knife and just slits its throat. It, and it's like probably the guy's like, hey, you want me to slaughter it for you? He's like, no, 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 no. Even even this is a little too processed. I, I think really he should just start eating it while it's alive. Um, just purchase <laughs> yeah, it. Just certainly. just eating it really, right there. <laughs> slaughter part. Of it, what a sellout. Don't even slaughter. All right. If Lots you're horrible, if you are a proud NDCIO patron. At this point, you know all about their microbiome and how forests want it to have as diverse a gut flora as possible by cramming as many commensal bacteria and fungi as you could to build up host immunity to ward off fungus from Mars. However, Derek takes probiotics a step further into regions where even I dare not tread. Upon Vice asking Derek why he eats rotten meat, Ooh. Derek replies, quote, it's a probiotic. <laughs> Half of the problem with my digestion was actually just lack of enzymes. My body just doesn't produce enough enzymes to digest starchy foods. So the probiotic bacteria in rotten meat actually helps me to digest the food. <laughs> and you had the added benefit of raw meat just tasting delicious. Oh, I that mean, too. Actually, yeah, definitely. I have to say that you, I, I want to say quickly that I know that that was actually the, the fungi talking instead of Forrest because he's referring to himself in third person. Yeah, third person. So that's when I know immediately. What's going on? Yeah, it, yeah. I was referring to myself in the third person until I realized, oh, yeah. This yeah, because <laughs> it wasn't really you referring to yourself in the third person. It was the fun guy mm -hmm. talking about you. Yes, about. yes. Vice mentions that Derek's fridge looks like it belongs to Satan and asks, <laughs> what are we looking at? Derek tells them, quote, it's a Shetland sheep. It's got a very mild sweet flavor. I crack open the skull and eat the brain. It's kind of a delicacy, so I'll wait until the weekend to get into it. Vice asks Derek what he thinks the primary downside to the diet is. Derek tells him, quote, being an outcast, my family thinks I've lost it. They literally think I'm off the deep end insane, and I don't know why. <laughs> Eating raw meat is just something they can't accept. My father has a master's in biology and tells me if I eat raw meat, I'll get some sort of pathogen. <laughs> what an idiot. Oh. <laughs> now it's he now. oh, and Derek's girlfriend is mostly vegan for humanitarian reasons. So don't mention to her that she's going out with Satan, who keeps <laughs> rotting lamb flesh in jars and split open sheep skulls in his fridge. For the weekend. Oh, wait, never mind. She knows all about that. <laughs> <laughs> and if these, if these two can make it as a couple, then surely Kellyanne and George Conway can as well. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty incredible the vegan going out with the dude on the Jeffrey Dahmer diet. And also, here at NDCIO, we believe in personal liberty. As is such, we are fucking sick to death of libtards with master's degrees and PhDs in biology telling us that eating raw animals can possibly have a downside. And as it happens, we have at least one man looking out for our best interests, and that is real evolutionary Ron Paul. Yes! Ron Paul is a passionate believer in guns, gold, ending the Federal Reserve, ending endless Middle East wars. A dialethia, if I've ever heard one, and in giving you the personal choice to poison yourself with any pathogen you damn well want. Finally, okay. this is so true. If you're go if you're going to undergo host control, at least have the right to choose your controller. I'd say, yeah, absolutely. Don't tread on my microbiota. In 2011, before the dark days of Trumpism and the relatively enlightened times of the Tea Party. Wherein holy saints and martyrs like, Mick like Mitt Romney and John McCain still held sway, ABC reported on Ron Paul's solemn oath to the people of Iowa 
that he wasn't going to let the federal government take away their right to drink disgusting and dangerous shit. Quote, I am all for raw milk, the GOP presidential candidate said. I think you should make your own choice on whether you drink raw milk or not. You know, drink enough raw milk and you yourself can also waste your vote on a third party libertarian candidate instead of stopping a fascist from winning the presidency. It's, it's fun. You should try it. Raw yep. cheese, too, is available. Can you imagine a world in which this is the issue to talk about? <laughs> Can you imagine that for just a second? That is near utopia. If the, if the main thing we need to talk about is whether it should be legal to drink raw, <laughs> disease-filled milk. milk. 2011, <laughs> these were utopian times. Uh, those are the days. Since we only use authoritative sources here at NDCIO, I decided to go to the Ron Paul Institute of Russia today to learn more. Or, I'm sorry. I mean, the Ron Paul <laughs> Institute of Peace and Prosperity. I'm very sorry. Putin apologist and frequent Russia Today guest, Daniel McAdams. I'm sorry, I mean, totally awesome libertarian guy, Daniel McAdams, first tells us why the fight for the legalization of raw milk is such an incredibly important pillar in the larger fight against tyranny. Uh, because personal liberty and fuck the FDA and blah, 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 blah. He then goes on to point out how hypocritical libtards are. Quote, as Dr. Paul points out in this free commentary from the Ron Paul channel, he was at first surprised that the liberals who had supported him on cannabis decriminalization did not support him on raw milk. Totally same. They thought the government needed to control that particular dangerous substance. But eventually, he explains... They started coming to his position that one must have the total freedom to choose what to put in one's body. Now there's a broader coalition supporting the right of individuals to consume unpasteurized milk if they wish. It's nice to see the libtards are coming around. They were just so fucking high from smoking so much goddamn <laughs> weed that they forgot what freedom was all about. One thing, I, I love this argument. It's like the liberals supported us when it came to decriminalizing a non-dangerous substance. But as soon as we wanted to decriminalize a dangerous substance, for some reason, <laughs> they didn't go along with that. Also, I totally forgot for a second that Ron Paul is, in fact, a doctor. Yeah, I think that should also be at the front of our minds with all this. Absolutely. Furthermore, according to McAdams, this isn't just about freedom. By allowing Orwellian and ignorant libtards with their endless rows of pointless Kafkaesque filing cabinets to take away our precious utterly fluids, <laughs> we risk missing out on all the wonders raw milk has to offer us by way of unexplored health benefits. Quote, raw milk may hold some great health benefits, says Dr. Paul. And he also questions the government's role in pushing genetically modified organisms, which he believes may do great harm to health. Likewise, the problems with excessive sugar and high fructose corn syrup in foods is directly related to the busy bodies in Washington who seek to protect us that end up endangering our health with their ill-informed meddling. So... Consuming raw milk is just a clear-cut case of individual liberty and a well-informed, good old-fashioned, do-your-own-research-and-take-control-of-your-own-health act of personal responsibility. Case closed. But, since we are fair and balanced here at NDCIO, let's just humor the libtards at the FDA and see what those pointy-head nitwits with their degrees in biology and all that bullshit have to say about raw milk consumption by humans. Quote, 
Raw milk can contain a variety of disease-causing pathogens, as demonstrated by numerous scientific studies. These studies, along with numerous foodborne outbreaks, clearly demonstrate the risk associated with drinking raw milk. Pasteurization effectively kills raw milk pathogens without any significant impact on milk nutritional quality. <sighs> sure. But you know what? Whatever. Yeah, so what if that. raw milk... Yeah, fuck that. If so, what if raw milk has disease-causing pathogens backed up by numerous studies? Oh, yeah, exactly. Astute listeners of the show will know by now that it's not so much what species of creepy crawlies exist in your microbiome that count; it's whether you have a wide enough variety of them to be so competitive in the Darwinian free market of who gets to the sugar first business. They're so busy trying to become the next captain of industry that they simply have no time to wage war on your body. And given that Ron Paul, that is Dr. Ron Paul to you, believes raw milk may hold great health benefits, then obviously raw milk not only has pathogenic bacteria, but it's also just got to be chock full of probiotics, right? Yeah. According to the FDA, drumroll, quote, raw milk does not contain probiotic organisms. (sighs) Ah, so there you have it. Damn it. Both sides. Draw your own conclusion. Do Uh, your own research. Drink raw milk today. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> don't forget raw cheese that is also available i don't want people just to raw think cheese. it's only raw cow milk. I, I say we need like because i what i don't i don't like the raw vegans and the raw meat people let it should all be raw raw vegetables fruit meat milk everything yeah. raw like i think yeah, you need that variety division. of raw foods that's right all you watch it's, is wwf raw yeah and so with that draw your own conclusions conclusion we are officially done with part one of Extreme Diets, Raw Foodism. And with that, we are done. Thank you for listening to this episode of None Dare Call It Ordinary. If you would also like to hear our weekly bonus episodes, just become a $5 a month patron over at patreon.com slash none dare call it ordinary. That is also where you'll find any blog posts, pictures, and news updates to go along with our regular series. And you don't even have to be a patron to get access to all that fun stuff. You can also reach us by email at nondarecallitordinary at gmail.com. Lastly, we ask for you to please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever your podcasts are served.